welcome to the Tune In with Marcy podcast, where we always know that being you takes so much courage. Where you're joined by me, host, intuitive coach and healer, Marcy Moberg, every week for eye-opening, deep, real talk conversations on connecting to our intuition, personal power, the universe, and creating authentic relationships with each other. I want you to get ready for practical tips, inspiring stories, and answers to your burning questions. You know what they are that keep keeping you up at night. Whether you're struggling with overcoming fear to follow your life's passion, or you're experiencing Groundhog Day with repeating unhealthy patterns, this podcast is for you, sensitive soul. So get ready to live your truth. A quick note. This podcast sometimes has adult language because these are adult conversations. So plan accordingly, whether that means turning it off when kids are around or using your earbuds and earphones. Now on to this week's episode. I can't wait for you to listen. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you this week. I am talking all about belonging. If you missed last week's episode, we talked about how our past can haunt us in relationships. And this week is going to be building on that in some ways. I'm really excited to talk about this topic that is near and dear to my heart. And one that I work with clients on a lot. So I'm recording this on a beautiful fall day. It's actually day one of my bleed, which is always a tender hearted time for me. And it's a time when my system and many of us who bleed, who have a menstrual cycle, need some time for extra care, slowing down, nourishment, and encouragement. So some of those energies I hope will come through in this episode because that's certainly the soul medicine that I need at this time of the month. And I find that one of the practices kind of starting off right from the beginning that can support us to feel more like we belong to ourselves, to our environment, and to the wider world around us is actually tracking cycles. That has been a really profound practice for me. And that can include tracking your menstrual cycle if you are someone who bleeds. That can be tracking the seasons of nature and following those times of change and paying attention to the subtleties of of things around us. So I'm, you know, looking out my window where I'm recording this in my home office and I have this really big beautiful tree out in front. And she and I have a, a connection, I would say. And uh, I have noticed, I'm noticing this morning that her leaves have really started to change a lot from that vibrant green that she carried during the spring and summertime into some yellows and even some brown hues. And so, you know, paying attention to those cycles and shifts can be a really powerful way to belong to our bodies more, to belong to our environment around us more. You know, as you as you heard, I referred to the tree as a being, as a person, having personhood. 
And that's really how I relate to the tree now. The tree is no longer an it for me. The tree is someone that I have a relationship with and I feel a sense of kinship with. And that is because I really pay attention to my surroundings and my environment and I really see them as living and alive. So paying attention to our cycles uh, in nature and the moon cycle is another really potent one to pay attention to. These really can help us feel that connection to the world around us, that sense of belonging. And I would say that perception is really, really powerful at helping us also cultivate a deeper sense of intuition and tuning in because when we really belong to ourselves and the environment in those ways, we really are kind of much more connected to in sync with ourselves and in sync with what's happening around us. It's much easier for us to receive intuitive insights and signs and synchronicities. Those are going to be topics that I'm absolutely going to talk about in the future. But for today, I want this episode to be like balm on your the tender parts of your heart and gentle invitations to step further into your authenticity around questions in belonging. And so to begin, I really want to start with a listener's question. And I'm very excited about this. If you didn't know, by the way, you can submit listener questions. I've already have a couple, which I'm pretty excited about. You can go to my website, www.marcymoberg.com backslash podcast. You scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see a link and you just click the button and it will pop up an email for you to connect with me and send your questions. So here's a great question I get asked all the time from one of our listeners, Emily. How do I find a spiritual friends group to connect with about tuning in? Emily, this is a great question. I get asked this all the time. And when I read your question, I hear a question of belonging underneath. In other words, I hear you asking, Where do I find my community, my people, the ones who will really get me? Where do I find the people where I can belong, where I can be myself? And it sounds like for you, uh, where you belong is with people that are passionate about sharing your value, your interest, maybe even priority of tuning in. And I get it because those those are my kind of people too. To begin, let's start with a simple practice. I want to talk about like, some simple steps that we can take to meet other people that we may have an affinity with. And then I want to circle back to the center of this week's episode, which I believe is really centrally located in uh, a true sense of belonging, which is ultimately belonging to ourselves and then building relationships and connections to the wider world around us from that place. So, but to begin, let's talk about the questions of a friends group, etc. So if your interest is in intuition and tuning into yourself, for example, I'd recommend, you know, looking at what meetup groups are around in your area, uh, spending time in spaces where people who love to tune in hang out. This might look like events, um, taking courses about intuition. Um, I lead myself an intuition course every year, Intuition 101, and I have other courses that I always infuse intuition into. There's one that is uh, going to be open for registration later this week on relationships and infusing intuition and working with ancestors and relationships. So you can look out for that. 
there, I, w- I would encourage you to look at, you know, coffee shops. Um, maybe people who are interested in intuition are at different yoga studios in your area, meditation centers, um, maybe more kind of spiritualist churches that are non-denominational or other spiritual spaces. Uh, I'd also look at, you know, what hobbies do people who might love to tune in, what, what kind of hobbies do they like to do and spend time in? Where do they like to shop? You know, where do they like to shop? Um, and ultimately that comes down to kind of questions around you, <laughs> you know, where do you like to shop? Where do you like, what kind of workshops do you like to go to? Um, what kind of coffee shops do you like to hang out in? And it's likely that your people could be in the spaces that you're already spending time in, or maybe it's an invitation to spend more time in those spaces and then to be intentional about starting some conversations and connecting to some of the people that are around you. You know, so often we spend time in spaces where our quote unquote people live and, and, and are, um, also in, but we neglect to, to start conversations a lot of the time. So I would encourage you to look at whether maybe you need to spend more time in those spaces, some new time in new spaces, and if you are starting conversations or not. So this is the first approach I would suggest to finding our people, which is a way that you can connect to more individuals or perhaps an entire community of people that resonates with your values, views of the world, practices, and priorities. I have to say, for example, that my I have met some of my own closest and nearest and dearest friends and people this way. And how it's looked for me has been, I, th- I think so many of us are looking for, when we, when we ask questions like this, because I get this kind of question all the time. I think so many of us are looking for where's the one place I can go and plug into and find my people? Like where where's a community that's already formed that I can plug into? And I believe that as we continue to mature and get much more in touch with ourselves that a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times it's less about plugging into an already formed community and more of building a chosen family, a chosen community, a close circle of people that become our own community that we weave together ourselves. Because if you're anything like me and where you are in your journey, you really love a certain amount of depth in your relationships. And that level of depth and connection is often built in a small chosen circle versus a wide um, community. Both, of course, have their place in our support systems. But so often when people bring questions of belonging to me, it's really a question around, um, you know, it's really implying a certain level of depth of connection that they're really hungry for. So my, my own chosen family, for example, lives all across the United States and the world. And thanks to technology, I feel really deeply connected to them and I can touch base with them on a daily or weekly basis if I want to. And, and this is really what serves me. But the question ultimately, Emily, and anyone who's resonating with this question is, what serves you? 
what circle of support would serve you the most. So I'd encourage you to think about what kind of connection are you seeking? For example, are you looking to do practices together with other people? Or are you looking to have more fascinating conversations? Are you looking for deeper friendships? Or are you looking for a wider community that you can, you know, kind of plug into in times when you're soul needs some spiritual nourishment, some, some, your, your kind of your deeper self needs some nourishment. And maybe it's just a community that you, um, love to just kind of plug into and feel, you know, for, for example, um, there's been times along the way where I've gone to a, uh, wider meditation community that I plug into. And it's not one that I go to consistently. There's been different times in my life where I've gone to it every week and there's other times where I kind of pop in and out and it's not a community where I have really honestly formed many deep relationships because it's a very well established community and um it's more I guess really what I'm doing when I go to those they go to that place is it's it's less of me looking to have um connections with people that I'm looking to individually practice with on a regular basis, you know, like in my home or things that later, it's more of wanting to feel held in that sacred space. Um, and, and that's it. And that's how it serves its purpose. So, you know, the question I would, what I would recommend you reflect on and journal on is getting clear on what exactly are you seeking? And most of all, why, what is the motivation underneath your desire to connect with others in this way? Because I think sometimes we have apples and oranges in what we're trying to seek. So if you're seeking, for example, deep connection, and then you show up to, you know, the kind of meditation circle that I go to sometimes that has hundreds of people, that is maybe not going to necessarily um, create the opportunity for deep connections because people may be kind of having surface level conversations or very little conversation at all because they're just there meditating. So perhaps that space is more of like how it serves for me, this kind of sacred container that I can just um, be in the energy of other people that are kind of practicing the same thing and feeling that support. Versus if you're really looking for deeper friendships and relationships, um, then maybe it's actually going to a smaller gathering or um, plugging into, you know, having a one-on-one conversation with someone that you're in a yoga class with and, and then hanging out with them a coffee later and et cetera, and, and, and building the depth from there. So you really want to get clear about what is the motivation underneath. But even further, I would say, the thing is, is that many of us are looking for a sense of belonging to plug into rather than a sense of belonging that we knit ourselves from the fabric of our lives with others along the way. And I have to say for myself, after college, I haven't had much of that plug into rather than weaving along the way. And I sense that this is because ultimately, as we mature, we move out of um, a sense of false belonging and yearn for true belonging. So let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, I looked up the general definition of belonging. I always find it interesting when I do this and look at, you know, what does, um, what does Merriam-Webster, what does other dictionaries say about a word? And I would say a lot of times I find that the, the kind of more classical definition is not always where I'm connecting with the word at. So that's always interesting. So the general definition of belonging is an affinity for a place or situation. 
That's interesting for me. So it's actually just about an affinity. But I really love this distinction of false versus true belonging because I think it gets underneath the affinity piece and more into the motivation and more into deeper questions of where are we in relationship to ourselves as we are relating to others. So I'd love to share a little bit um, in this moment from a book that I adore. If the question of belonging is something that you're kind of feeling passionate about or this episode rings with you, I would highly recommend this book called Belonging, Remembering Ourselves Home. It's by a woman named Toko Pa Turner. When, if you saw my copy, you would see it has like <laughs> so many like bent pages from dog, like dog earing the pages. Um, I'm holding it in my hands right now as I'm talking to you and lots and lots of underlines and stars and circles. And I mean, I just had a, a quite a relationship with this book as I read through it because I felt like she was writing so much of what's been in my heart and what I've seen come up in client work for years. And, um, and in her book, she kind of starts to make this distinction about false versus true belonging that I really, really enjoy. So I wanted to read a little piece about that, about the false belonging piece. She says, we learn to live life with a limited palette of colors considered acceptable for public expression, while the darker, more vivid gradients of the human condition are stricken from the conversation. That's interesting, right? So she's like talking about how there's these parts of... um, that are that of ourselves that are kind of hidden from public expression. And she talks about them as having a, a life in, in concealment, basically, where we dissociate from the fullness of our being. And when we do that, she says, we become more susceptible to the trap of what Don, uh, John O'Donohue calls the trap of false belonging. This is my favorite. Um, little expert excerpt that I want to share with you, which is our longing for community and purpose is so powerful that it can drive us into joining established groups, systems of belief, or even employments and relationships to that to our diminished or divided self give the impression of belonging to something greater. But these places often have their own motives and hidden contracts. They grant us conditional membership requiring us to cut parts of ourselves off in order to fit in rather than committing to the slow accumulation of intimacy that it takes to weave a life of true belonging. We try to satisfy our longing by living in marginalizing places. I love that so much because what she's talking about there is something that feels very true to me, which is the sense of there is a, a way that we belong that I would say as we mature and grow, we grow out of, but it's how we are conditioned into. And that is a way where we literally cut off parts of ourselves. So there are periods of my life that I have described to people when I, that I recognized that I was really suffering and that was because I was really cutting pieces of myself off. I often would describe it exactly as like I, as if I had cut my arms off and was walking through life or as as if I had cut one whole side of my body off and was walking through life and relating to people in that way and wearing certain masks. And, And ultimately when we're talking about false belonging, we're talking about 
trying to squeeze ourselves into boxes to fit in and belong from that place. And that's a really painful place to belong. And it's often where many of us first find belonging and then we bloom into like this second phase in life where we then start stepping into what Brene Brown calls true belonging. Um, And her definition of this, which I really love, is that true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. I just wanted to pop in and mention a couple exciting opportunities for you to join me and benefit from some of my work, some of the things I've created and some of the teachings I'm sharing. You have first two free opportunities this week when this episode is airing, the first week of November, to join me for two free webinars. The first one is for folks who are dating and trying to find your match, and that's called Five Steps to Finding Your Match and What the Ancestors Have to Do with It. It's a practical webinar where I'm going to be sharing some steps. I'm going to be sharing some insights, inspiring stories, and some dashes of ancestor magic. You can think of this as starting to approach your dating life from a practical and intuitive place. I'm really excited for that. That's happening this week. Also is happening a relationships webinar. So that is for people who are in relationships, but also a lot of the folks that have been signing up so far are actually signing up for both because they may be dating and also want to make sure that they're up to date on skills for being in a relationship. And that one is called Five Ways to Break Through, Repeating Partnership Challenges and What Your Ancestors Have to Do with It. Similarly, it's going to be practical tips, inspiring stories, insights, and dashes of ancestor magic. And that is also approaching relationships from an intuitive place. Um, So you can find out more about those on my website, at marcymoberg.com backslash offerings, marcymoberg.com backslash offerings. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. And then the last thing I wanted to tell you about is I have some in-person workshops coming up. If you're in the Washington DC area, I have one this month in November on November 16th called Live Life Now, which is a practical workshop on mindfulness, which I'm super excited about. It's a workshop I have been teaching for years and gets really wonderful feedback. And then I'm also teaching a workshop in December on how we can be more sovereign in our sensitivity. That's a workshop specifically for sensitive folks. Both of those are being held at Yoga District's 14th Street Studio in Washington, D.C. You can find out about all of those in the same location, marcymoberg.com backslash offerings. And I hope to see you there, whether it's virtually or in person. Now back to this week's episode. So back to the distinction between true and false belonging. 
I, I love this definition that I read before the break from Brene Brown about true belonging. If you really look at it, it's about belonging to ourselves first and foremost, and being able to share authenticity, being able to share our truth. In other words, being able to embody ourselves fully with those that we are in relationship with. These distinctions are really important, and they are connected to what I spoke about in last week's episode, where I was sharing and reflecting on how our past holds us back and how in relationships we have this social and cultural conditioning, the this lifetime, our ancestors and lifetimes past, and that those pieces really, when we look at false belonging, those are the pieces that are underneath the motivations, the wiring, the habits of false belonging. Um, and when we move into true belonging, it's really moving into choosing, coming from a place of choice time and time again to belong to ourselves and belong to others, relate to others from our present day, wider, wiser self and putting that part of ourselves in the driver's seat of our life rather than the wounding of our past. I think many of us feel spiritually or soulfully starved at times in relationships. This I think comes at a point where people are really awakening in their lives to who they truly are, are coming into a reckoning, a reconciliation, an integration of their past, perhaps a more honest reflection on their past and a more honest uh, exploration of who they are. And it's, you know, until we've really started moving in the way that we belong to ourselves and in the way that we relate to each other is from a place of false belonging to true belonging. When we kind of start to move in that cusp, when our soul, our intuition, our soul's voice starts to awaken us, our inner self starts to awaken us to something more true into that way of relating to ourselves and others. As that like kindling starts to happen, I find that people have this sense of feeling spiritually or soulfully starved in relationships to different degrees that can leave us feeling like we don't belong. And this is, it can leave us feeling like we don't belong. It can leave us feeling like lonely, can leave us feeling really unfulfilled in relationships. And that really comes to a place of, you know, when we're looking at this distinction, the question is, where is the center of our belonging? Am I drawing my sense of a belonging from a place of fitting in or from a place of sharing and relating from my authentic self, from my truth, from my core? Am I first and foremost belonging to others? And when that sense of belonging is gone, do I feel a void? Do I feel lonely? Or am I first and foremost belonging to myself? And finding sacredness in that connection by relating to others who join me in a life where I belong more fully to myself and they belong more fully to themselves. In other words, are you really relating to a place with others 
where whether or not you belong really resides in their hands. And if that's the case, then we're coming from this place of false belonging, which ultimately creates a lot of suffering. And I find that over time, that has to fall away like that. It has to change because if we don't and we start to awaken, our soul starts to awaken in a sense um, and to embody more of this human self and perhaps to guide more of our human interactions, then it's, you know, or we start to come into more of a integration, a wholeness, a union with all the parts of ourselves then we start to have an increase in suffering around relating from that false place. So I see this often come up for people with old relationships, maybe friendships that we've outgrown, or that dynamic of a friendship or family relationship, work relationship, even partners, is shifting into a different kind of closeness. Maybe they're not not the same kind of closeness before. Maybe we don't feel as fulfilled by those relationships. We don't feel like we can connect in the same way. A lot of times that can be combined with a shift in what what priorities we have, what matters to us. I mean, here's the thing. Everyone is not really, and this is hard, I think, for so many of us to really acknowledge and embrace, but Not everyone is meant to walk every single step of our life path with us. Some of our current beloved circle will walk every single step of the way with us as we evolve and change. So will they evolve and change as well? And we'll continue to have enough spaciousness inside of ourselves to be able to meet each other uh, from an authentic place so that there's enough spaciousness inside of me to be able to meet you from your authentic place and the way that you show up and how you respect me and vice versa. Other connections will naturally fall away or fizzle out as we complete the journey we are meant to walk together. Um, and then some kind of ebb and flow, right? There are some relationships, some connections where we're connected and then we aren't as close and then maybe we're closer again and then maybe there's a break in time between us connecting, and then we reconnect again. So relationships often can have this ebb and flow. And I think the way that we think about them does not usually account for that. You know, certainly how we account for that in a lot of popular media doesn't account for that. It's kind of like, I I see so many clients, and I know that this certainly was the case for me in the past, where there's almost like this pressure to maintain all the connections as they have always been You know, I always give the example of like a Polaroid picture, like as if there's like a a frame in time that's frozen and we expect for things to always be like they were in that frozen frame. And that's just not how it goes. I mean, even just this singular day, you have likely moved through different ebbs and flows of emotions, ebbs and flows of energies, ebbs and flows of what matters to you. And at a physiological level, your cells are changing. Uh, You have skin that's kind of dying and falling off. I mean, there's just so much change happening. So really, there will be relationships that will evolve and change with us. There will be others that don't and some that we're close to and that some that over time we aren't as close to anymore. And it's it's healthy. It's okay. Um, And so we really want to get curious when we're talking about relationships and and the intersection with belonging around connections that are difficult at times, 
um, where perhaps we cling for dear life, trying to belong from a place of false belonging where we keep fitting ourselves into old boxes. So we just really struggle to let go of that connection or the way that we used to relate. Um, or we keep replicating the way that we used to relate, even though we know that that's no longer true for us. And we have this clinging. Letting go is, is can be really hard sometimes. Or where we perhaps fear that if this comes up a lot um, in the work that I do with people, especially around partnership, this in, or family, this intense fear that, gosh, if I bloom further into my authenticity and my truth, then suddenly I won't belong. I won't belong. And the cost of that feels greater than being honest and true to myself. And that's, gosh, such a painful place to, to be in. And it doesn't have to be this either or. And it's a recognition that as we step into more true belonging, naturally, there are relationships that will change. But as those change, we create space for new relationships or new versions of current relationships to come in that are more true and that allow us to kind of live more from a place of exhale than a place of holding our breath. And I mean, nobody, nobody wants to do that over the long term, right? That just creates a lot of chronic stress. So I really see this always coming up, you know, around family and romantic love where people fear a connection changing or worse falling away. And so they just keep fitting themselves into old boxes, old, outdated, too small for them boxes. Um, and, and sometimes this may look like, quote unquote, playing it safe at first. Uh, and then there's like, you know that there's something else happening because there's like a discomfort that arises. And over time, it becomes obvious that we are not in alignment. We're perhaps not being as true with ourselves as we thought because it starts to become somatic. Or in other words, it starts to become embodied. And the body is this amazing vessel that can remind us of what the soul, our truest self, has been trying to tell us for so long that maybe we have been avoiding, denying, or ignoring um, to see and hear. So as we grow and mature, I really do believe that we are invited to step further and further into true belonging. And while that process is difficult, speaking from experience, and sometimes just downright uncomfortable, confusing and painful, it has a lot of trial and error to it, is my experience to try to figure out if you struggle, if like you have a lot of false belonging in your life, especially those of us who have a history of trauma, we can have a lot of relationships that are um, rooted in false belonging from a place of survival in our past. But now, um, hopefully, you're in the circumstances where you actually are safe enough to be able to let those change. You know, if you had had trauma in your past as a child, in those cases, it that may have felt like your only choice because there's power dynamics and where are you going to go, right? Your home is your safety. You, you're, you're dependent on your, your caregivers. You're dependent on where you're living. Uh, but now as adults, that dynamic is not there. And so um, it's time to shed this old way of 
relating. And especially for those of us, including myself, who have a history of trauma, it's really, really imperative to shed that um, so that we're no longer living from a place of survival. And this is very, very, very deeply tied to intuition. I find that the more we allow true belonging, so really, truly belonging to ourselves and building relationships from that place, building connections from that place, that allows our intuition to bloom at such a deeper and stronger rate because we're being more honest and true with ourselves. And it's, you know, like as we're doing that, we're in alignment with ourselves and it's much easier to heal, hear our, our inner voice. It's much easier to uh, have communications with our spirit guides. It's much easier to connect to our ancestors because that human and that spirit form metaphorically are, are, are no longer at odds with each other. They're no longer at odds. So what does this look like as we step further and further into true belonging? I would say for starters, there's, I, I could make a really long list, but to just give us some texture to this topic, for starters, I think it can look like a lot more real conversations with our very own hearts. Um, many of us don't have conversations with ourselves. <laughs> that was my, my own discovery. It's so simple um, to miss. And that was my own recognition many, many years ago when I started my inner path was I realized that I'd, I'd not really had a lot of inner conversations with my inner self. I had um, had a lot of fights with my inner critic <laughs> I had a fought, had a lot of wrestling matches and been taken down by the wounded parts of myself, but I hadn't really had a direct conversation with my my deepest self. And you can do that in, through a lot of means, from journaling to meditation. There's a lot of different techniques you can use, but it's really just the principle of having more real conversations. And I mean real, like honest, lovingly honest conversations with our very own selves, our very own hearts, our very own center of ourselves. It also looks like recognizing what truths are truly ours and which ones we perhaps picked up along the way, simply because they were handed to us or maybe in unfortunate circumstances, they were forced on us by not really having voice to have space around any other truth being spoken and or forced on us in the sense that our circumstances were so difficult that that was really the only truth that we could take on to survive, um, to feel safe, to feel loved. And so now that we're at this place of perhaps hopefully much more spaciousness in our life, um, we can really take stock of what is ours and what is not ours. And that again goes back to last week when I was talking about how the past haunts us. These social, this social conditioning, this cultural conditioning that we can have can include, um, you know, these ideas that we take as truths that are kind of unwavering. And anytime we have something that's almost like a truth that's un unwavering, that's an idea versus a lived, felt, known experience, that's something to be curious about because it's likely born from our conditioning and therefore fueling some false 
belonging, fueling our sense of needing to fit in rather than being true to ourselves. It can also look like feeling into our hearts, our shoulders, our stomach, our jaw, our body in general when it moves into constriction. And when we feel that constriction, that tightening, that uh, that kind of gut like, oh, something's, something's off. And that can be an invitation for us to slow down and pay attention. I always tell people when you feel really, really big body sensations, imagine that's like your soul saying, pay attention. It doesn't mean this is true. That's important because a lot of times it just simply means pay attention. Sometimes those really big sensations we feel like fear, anxiety, overwhelm, sadness, they are our deepest selves attempt to get our attention to tell us something deeper. So we want to get underneath the story. We want to get underneath the surface of what's happening and really be able to receive what is the heart's message. So anytime you have a a body sensation, large body sensation, pay attention because that can happen a lot in, I mean, I see it happen all the time for myself and for other people that there are certain people that we can notice a really big body sensation, maybe cognitively in our mind, we think that we're in alignment and then the body's saying, hey, something's off here. Something is off here. And then maybe upon further expiration, you recognize like, oh, wow, I was I was starting to slowly step back into this old way of being, of masking or cutting this part off of myself, or I wasn't really being fully faithful to my truth and how I was engaging in this conversation. And um, body sensations can tell us that. It can also look like naming the parts of our past and present self that we are most afraid to see the light of day. You know, like... Um, you know, if my partner ever knew X, Y, and Z, they would, they would never love me. If my friends ever knew ABC, they wouldn't hang out with me, whatever that is. A lot of times we make these pieces like so much bigger than they need to be. You know, here I am on this podcast right now, um, called tune in with Marcy. And here I am devoting my life at this point to, you know, teaching others the last several years and moving forward around how to connect to their intuition, how to trust their intuition, how to use their intuition to guide their life. That's essentially what I'm talking about here. When I'm talking about true belonging, I'm talking about bringing yourself into the seat of your intuition and allowing that to guide your relationships, to guide everything. I always tell people that I believe that the that our intuition should be the CEO of our life. It doesn't mean the rational part of us has no role. A rational part of us still has a role. But so much can happen. So much more authenticity, truth, honesty, transparency, wholeness, integration can happen when our intuition is metaphorically in the CEO seat of our life. And um, I say that right now because, you know, the part of me that I didn't want to see the light of day that I sometimes would even shield. So even so before I shielded it from myself, right? So that's like the first layer we want to unveil is can we bring light of the light of our awareness to these parts of ourselves that we're having a hard time acknowledging? And can we meet them like we would like a quirky aunt, you know, 
like a quirky relative or you're like, oh, so-and-so, they're just always wearing weird, (laughs) interesting outfits or they just always make, you know, this family dish with too much salt or this family dish with too much sugar, whatever that is. Um, That part of me was my intuitive self, was the part of me that has intuitive gifts, the part of me that's psychic, the part of me that experiences the world in this very, very human and very, very spirit way. And I hid that from myself. I tried to hide that from myself for a long time. So being here on this podcast with you and now being in a partnership and friendships where that is fully out in the open started by first unveiling it to myself. Because again, going back to what Brene Brown said, we really need to belong to ourselves first. So I had to get honest about that with myself first. I had to allow space for that for myself first. I had to create loving um, spaciousness and inner home for that part of myself to be welcome and no longer treated as an inner misfit, an inner outcast. And lastly, I would say another suggestion for starters can be to notice how we feel in interactions. Do we feel heard, seen, known, understood, or not? Now, just because we don't feel heard, seen, and understood, and known doesn't mean we're not. Again, another flag of, you know, is that true or not? Um, But it can be, again, something to be curious about. Do Do we hold back for fear of judgment? Why did I hide the intuitive part of myself for so long? Petrified of being judged. Petrified of not being loved. Petrified of being ostracized. Petrified of being called crazy. Petrified of so many things. So many things. You know who needed to stop judging it the most? Was me. And when I stopped judging it, it got a lot easier for me to allow that part of myself to move forward. And then I was less concerned about others judging it. But it takes time. It takes time. Uh, The other question is, do we hide parts of us or information for fear of punishment? Again, going back to last week's episode when I was talking about how so often we relate to people in our lives as if they are someone from our past. Perhaps in the past, sharing certain things, information, maybe even like sharing your grades at home with your family, and if you didn't meet their expectations, was something that created punishment. And so that, be, so, you know, sharing information became a, something that you feared. And so now you kind of hide parts of yourself or hide information that can give us a clue around false or true belonging. The journey to true belonging is long. Okay, I'm just going to name that. I really think, and I'm going to say this like over and over again, <laughs> you'll hear me talk about this a lot in this podcast. I really think that we're in a day and age where we just want everything to happen so fast and it takes time. Good things take time. Good things take consistency. Good things take some patience. 
in the world of social media, we don't really see that, you know, we don't see that. We see the happy picture of the couple and we think, oh, if I just date the right person, it'll be like that. Well, the question is, number one, are they happy behind that image? Or is that perhaps like a false belonging image metaphorically? And two, if they are truly happy, how much, how much went into creating that? Probably a lot. I can tell you that I'm, I am for the first time ever, very, very truly happy in my partnership and my relationship that I have created over the last three years. And it's taken a lot of effort. It took a lot of intentional work, inner work before my partner showed up in my life. And it took even more after he showed up. So there's a story behind that image, right? And so our true belonging takes time. And I believe it's built through daily, hourly, and minute-by-minute choices and the practice of turning our attention back into ourselves over and over and over again. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I'm on day one of my cycle right now. Day one of my cycle, I'm so raw, right? So earlier today, I opened an email and because I was so like, super sensitive. The first part of the email I read, I, I read it like from this limited frame and it kind of like boosh, kind of hit me. And then I read something else and it kind of boosh, like hit me, hit me in the center. And I knew in that moment, okay, <clears throat> I'm feeling, I'm starting to feel these pings of tension and doubt and questioning and what did I do in that moment? I stopped. I closed my computer. I took some deep breaths. I went and got myself a cup of tea. I nourished myself. I stood in the window and I soaked in the sun as if I was a plant breathing in the sun through every pore of my body and letting those rays into my system. I said a little prayer. And then I came back. And when I reread the email, it said something entirely different than what I thought, <laughs> which was actually really positive. It was a really good email. But I would have missed it. I totally would have missed it if I wouldn't have been paying attention to the center of myself and noticed that I was getting out of belonging with myself. I was getting disconnected from my center. And that's why it's important to to pay attention to these cycles because there are certain times of the year, the month, day maybe even, where it's easier for that to happen to us. And if we can know that ahead of time and we can tenderly, lovingly tend to ourselves in those moments, if we can belong to ourselves in those moments, then pretty magical things can happen. And as we re-knit this connection to the center of ourselves, we can gather the courage to acknowledge who we are. That's first, right? People always talk about um, wanting to, I don't know, be someone or be their truest self. We have to first acknowledge. We have to inner meet our truest self. We have to acknowledge who we are. We have to have the 
courage to remove all the walls to meet who we truly are. And then we can move on to the courage to embody who we are. Embody being our decisions and our thoughts and our actions. And then we can learn about how our current connections are born from false or true belonging. There's a lot in that, right? And the whole like first three quarters of it is all knitting, creating, cultivating a deeper intimacy with ourselves. So here's a practice I want to share with you this week to to get started regarding your relationships with others. I first want to invite you to start by exploring your motivations. Consider for yourself, why do I want to call this person, for example? Uh, Why do I want to respond to this text? Why do I want to attend this gathering? What is your why? Motivations matter and they can, they can give us a lot of clues around whether we are building our relationships from a place of false or true belonging. And the best news is, is that some relationships can be transformed into a connection that is more aligned with true belonging simply by shifting our motivations. Not all, but some, some can, some can really transform just by becoming more in alignment with ourselves. And those are the kind of connections where the person can meet us in our authenticity. So when that happens for you, rather than texting or deciding to text back out of obligation, for example, if you notice like you get another question, why do I want to respond to this text? And you feel a sense of obligation. You know from last week, if you listen to it, I said obligation is sticky. (laughs) It's not a great place to be coming from. It's not a great place to be primarily coming from in our personal relationships, right? Um, So rather than deciding to text back from obligation, I invite you to pause. And maybe you do like a little ditty like I described and what I did earlier when I received this email and I got really like stirred inside. You know, I went and cared for myself, recentered myself, came back, read it with different eyes, and I was able to understand it in a different way. But if you come back and it's still there for you, then I I would invite you to pause and just take some space and see if you can respond later when you feel more connected to, for example, what does this person mean to you? What does that person really mean to you in your life? And can that be the motivation versus obligation of I have to? Maybe moving into I want to, I can't wait to, I'm excited to. This feels like a priority for me. But also sometimes looking at our motivation is a bit of a wake-up call. You know, I said this podcast is going to be real, so I'm being real with you right now. Sometimes it's a wake-up call to that there's a lot that needs to change in our relationships. So I'd like you to consider in your circle right now of your closest one to five people in your life on a scale from one to ten. One being the least honest about who you are and ten being the most honest about who you are with them. What number would you give 
to those relationships. Notice that my question is about where you are coming from, since this is the place where belonging begins. Another interesting question is, how often do you wrap your belonging in belonging to others? In other words, if you were in a forest all alone, would you know that you simply belong because you are worthy of it, because you are here? When we look at questions of belonging, I believe they all come back to, they all trace themselves back to a certain level of healthy, loving, honesty, and transparency with ourselves. Can we, in relationship with others and with ourselves, really be honest about what we need? Are we willing to or not willing to? Are we clear about what we want to and not what we are willing to and not willing to tolerate? That's important. I'll say that again because I kind of tripped on it. What I meant to say was, you know, are we willing, are, are we clear? Are we willing to be clear about what we are willing to and not willing to tolerate in relationship? Another layer of needs. And do we feel like we can say no and we need no and yes when we mean yes? It's through the practice of integrity with our inner selves that brick by brick by brick, we can learn that in relationships where we are truly loved, it's always safe to be more of ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that the other person is going <laughs> to accept all of those things sometimes, maybe, um, or not, I don't want to use the word accept. It's, it doesn't mean that the other person is not going to have friction with that sometimes, but they create enough spaciousness to explore and dialogue and when it's healthy and appropriate to create compromise over certain pieces. But you never have to come into compromise to the core of who you are. And the core of who you are is always accepted. The stuff is messy, people, you know. And in those that are those relationships that are perhaps false belonging where you know false belonging is lurking around the corner, there will be consequences to being true to ourselves. Now, let's be clear. When I mean being true to ourselves, I don't mean indulging our impulses and our ego. Um, I mean getting into a deep relationship with our whole self. So it's not just the, the ego, the rational part of us, the mind leading forward, but it's rather allowing a comprehensive space where the inner voice, our intuition, our soul, the part of us that is loving and wise is leading the way and being true to that part of ourselves with some input here and there from the rational part of us because that's, you know, we're here with that. Um, So that if we have to say no or goodbye, we do so, for example, in a way that is loving and wise to ourselves and those involved if that was kind of what was happening. Okay, I am really excited to see what you think about this episode. As I mentioned, there's an opportunity for uh, asking questions, and I would love for you to go to marcymoberg.com backslash podcast. You can submit your questions directly to me there. I have already started compiling some. I hope that you enjoyed this session. I hope you enjoyed my answer to Emily's question 
the next two sessions are continuing this theme of relationships. And next week, we're going to be talking about breaking, how we can like break and release unhealthy relationship patterns. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, share your rating, and leave a review. Ideally, five stars. That way, more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name.com. Until next time, remember, being you takes courage. Lots of love. 